coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host this week, Matt Price, here with my buddies as always, Mr. Dan Myler and Ryan McDowell. Dan, have you recovered from Sunday night yet? I'm, I'm still coming down, man. How about you? Man, I'm still coming down. I live in, in Vikings country, of course. And got a few texts throughout the game. Down twenty to nothing, you're you're bound to get a couple. Uh, I imagine those Packers fans that are in southern Wisconsin uh, even had it worse because they had it from all the Bears fans. But it, it man, did it get good fast? And and you know all the drama associated with it, with Rodgers leaving and then coming back, and the whole McCarthy not knowing if he was going to play. It it all it seems more like a movie than something in real life. It was a lot of fun to watch. I know that. I'm telling you, man, I was so close to turning that game off at halftime. I was so mad. I was like, really, two years in a row? You're going to do this to us two years in a row? Uh, but I'm glad I stuck around, obviously. So, uh, Ryan, right off the top here, I'm going to go ahead and eat some crow and apologize to you and Mr. Tyreek Hill. Yes, you know, uh, yes. All, all offseason, I was saying you can't do it. It's impossible. Only 105 targets, yada, yada. But what I forgot was that outliers are what wins fantasy football championships, and Tyreek Hill is, is definitely that, that trump card, that outlier. So apologize to you guys. Uh, how was your week one? My week one was nice because I had a lot of Tyreek Hill, um, <laughs> and I, I didn't start my guy Randall Cobb in all the leagues I have him, but I did enjoy uh, seeing him get your, uh, get your Packers a win or at least get them closer uh, to a win. So, yeah, that was, man, that was an exciting game. Honestly, I, I've just got this feeling, though, guys. I, I put this out on Twitter right after the game. I'm, I'm worried about Rodgers. I don't think we've heard the last of this injury thing. Really, really, really hope I'm wrong uh, because I enjoy watching him play, and, uh, and I do have him on a few of my teams as well. But the, the way he kind of avoided the question and just, just that he missed nearly – what he missed? Uh, I guess uh, about a full quarter. I don't know. I think I think there's a chance we could still hear. Yeah, he's got he's got a, a torn something, and he's out a month, or or maybe even worse than that. 
Yeah, definitely concerning for sure. He looked uh, in that in that post game interview. He seemed uh, like he was definitely pumped up on something that was making him feel pretty, <laughs> pretty good there. So, yep. uh, we still we still somehow don't know with all the technology, medical technology in NFL. We don't know exactly what's happening with that knee just yet. Uh, but we'll have to stay hopeful because it's a big game this week against the Vikings, of course. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep checking in on that. But let's get into the show, guys. Uh, we're not really a news and notes show too much, but there's a couple of items here that I think we really have to, to dig into off the top. We didn't really talk about it last week, but Le'Veon Bell, he, he actually held out past week one. Never, the whole offseason, the narrative was he's just going to show up you know, right after Labor Day and it's going to be business as usual. That didn't happen. Uh, so now the, the Justice Mosqueda put out a really great article detailing the, the, the contract details and what, what might happen with that scenario. And one of them is that he might hold out until week 11 because he only needs to play six games uh, this season to be eligible for free agents next year. Uh, so some are speculating he might report earlier than that, but I don't know. Now it's kind of seems like it might be a little bit of a tail between his legs scenario. James Conner came right in 31 carries, 135 yards, two touchdowns, uh, six targets in the past game, five catches for 57 yards, which is something we didn't really think that, uh, which we, we didn't really think was something that he could do. Uh, but he did, he was involved 37 out of 81 plays, 45.6% uh, of plays he was involved in. So, Ryan, I'm going to throw it to you first here, man. What are the dynasty implications of this surprise holdout? Um, you know, what are we doing uh, as a contender with Le'Veon Bell? Are you willing to sell for a cheaper price, get out now, hold on tight? It's a really tough spot to be in for somebody, uh, for a team that, you know, is, is really counting on his production to kind of carry him to the playoffs this year. So, and then on the flip side of that, just maybe a couple of notes on what you might be doing with Connor right now. Sure, it's it's just it is such a unique spot that we're seeing these two guys, these two teammates, uh, really affecting each other's value so much. Obviously, Bell's value is falling, uh, but I, I don't think now is the time to sell. the The only way I would really consider selling, if I have him on my roster, and and I do in a in a few spots, is if you can pivot to a similar player. We've seen Bell in the first round, all off season. Uh, in, in startup, so if you can swap him and um, you know Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, uh, any any of those guys, even go, go the wide receiver route with Thomas or Adams, I, I think that makes some sense. But I don't really think those types of deals are happening. So I, I really consider Bell just a hold at this point. He is going to come back. It, it seems like week ten or week eleven would be the latest he would come back, and then there's still some some rumors that he might report sooner than that. I, I do think Connor's play kind of forces his hand a little bit, so that's another interesting dynamic to the whole thing. And, and of course, with these numbers that we're seeing from Connor, his value is growing. To me, Connor is the clear sell. Um, I, I actually don't think much is changing about his his outlook, I guess. We still... He's not guaranteed a job in 2019 as far as the starting job. Uh, he, he's got a history of injuries, including a, a bad knee injury. And, and he, he did nothing as a rookie last year. Uh, really, really struggled. So, I mean, we've heard the reports that he's in better shape. He's a, a different-looking player now. So uh, there's, there's some reasons to hang on to him. But if I can sell for a first-rounder, I'm still doing that. 
Wow, I, I, I wasn't expecting that. I did see that tweet from you last week that said something to the effect of don't mess this up, sell, sell James Conner or something like that. Uh, I thought my, you might have might have reversed course a little bit. See, I, 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 I kind of feel like the other direction, like he might just get more and more expensive, you know, not necessarily as, as high as Kareem hunted last season. You know, that's what we were saying with him after week one was, you know, sell, sell, sell. And, and then it just, the value just kept going up. So that scenario seems like it could be a possibility for Connor. Maybe not likely, like you said, for 2019, nothing's guaranteed. Dan, your thoughts on this situation with both Le'Veon Bell and James Connor? You know, it really feels to me that it depends on what kind of situation you're in and how bad you really need Connor uh, talking about him. I disagree with Ryan. I, I feel like especially if you need him and you feel like you're a contender and that that he's going to push you over the top until you get Bell back, that's assuming that you have both players. I, would, I wouldn't be selling. I, I kind of feel like... What Connor has done and his how he's changed his body and how he changed uh, over the last year reminds me a lot of what Le'Veon Bell did. I think there might be something in whatever they're doing in Pittsburgh with these tailbacks. They're they're identifying guys with a specific skill set and then changing their physique or or the their body type to fit what works with that, with that skill set. It kind of seems that way. I know it's only two backs, and it's really only one game with Connor, but go look at James Connor in at any point in his college career, and he doesn't look anything like what he does right now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that the same can be said about Le'Veon Bell. I remember when he came out, I watched him all the time at Michigan State, and I thought he was a bowling ball, just a thumper, that was going to grind out some yards and maybe turn into a goal line type guy that could produce in the, for fantasy owners uh, in just a role like that. And he completely transformed what kind of player he is. Uh, maybe not quite to that level, but it seems to me that Connor's doing the same type of thing. I, I feel like if, if there were odds on whether Connor was the starter or not, I would take Connor over the field at this point. It seems like they they believe in him. He's cheap, and they're they're ready to give him the 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 reins when the time comes. In fact, they already have. Now we're one injury, one bad game away from all that changing. Maybe not a bad game, but certainly an injury. And his injury history is certainly noteworthy. But I'm not sure that that we as dynasty owners should instantly give up on Connor. As it pertains to Le'Veon Bell, I think the die is already cast. When he didn't show up on Saturday before the game to get that first game check, it's pretty obvious that, that those $850,000 checks are not a priority to him at this point, and he, his, his priority is to get to 2019 free agency healthy. And the best chance of that is to wait as long as he can before he takes any toll on his body. I don't know if that's a good decision, and that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, perhaps he's getting some bad advice from his agent or somebody else, I would have a hard time giving up $850,000, that's for sure. Uh, so I'm not skipping any any episodes of the DLF Dynasty podcast because I need that check, that $850K. Uh, but at, at any note, uh, I, I, as a Le'Veon Bell owner, unless you have Connor, um, it's going to be a long wait. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more on your side too, Dan. I think at this point in terms of pricing for Connor evaluation, I think I'm buying for any late first that I can get. And it would take, you know, a mid first plus 
to, uh, to for me for me to get to, to, to dump them at this point, especially if I'm a contender. It's just so hard, you know. Uh, if you're in that spot with Le'Veon, you were counting on this year. You know, you're in this spot where it's a, you're in limbo now. Like you're either going to get the production or you're not. So. Uh, I, I think I'm buying Connor too. Now it certainly could all blow up in your face. Le'Veon Bell shows up this week, and they're going to put him right back in the lineup. You know that's what's going to happen. Uh, the, the other concerning thing to me, though, is that it seems like the team is is tired of dealing this situation. The, there was multiple members of the offensive line talking about how we don't want to talk about Le'Veon Bell right now. He's not here. All that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, it, it's a tough situation. But let's go go right back to you here, Dan. Uh, the other the other noteworthy news item from this weekend, I think Ronald Jones is a healthy scratch. Uh, you know, we, I think all of us were were pretty down on him in terms of talent wise, but when he landed in that landing spot in Tampa Bay, one of the best landing spots for a rookie running back this off season, we were pretty excited about the opportunity he might get. But uh, you know, he, he didn't even suit up on on Sunday. So what do we do now? I don't think you can sell him, Dan, at this point. Um, what are you doing with him? And maybe uh, give us a little bit of idea what you might be doing with Peyton Barber at this point, too. You know, I've never been a Peyton Barber fan. So, you know, I, I don't really own him in places. I'm probably not the guy to ask. I know that that game uh, in week one is is not a huge endorsement for Peyton Barber. They had a lead for most of it. They He really didn't shine at any point of the game. And it seemed like... Uh, that they were just skate, getting by, doing the best they could with what they had, in, in my opinion, at least. So so Barber, for me, is a hard sell if if I can get any kind of uh, return for him. Um, as far as Jones goes, there's nothing you can really do if you have anything invested into him. The only thing you can accept in return at this point is what you have invested or something close, and nobody's going to pay that. Most likely... You, no matter when you drafted, you picked him in the first round. And I don't know a lot of dynasty owners willing to give a first round pick, even at the end of the first round, for a guy who was a healthy scratch in, in week one. So, you know, I was a Jones guy immediately after he was drafted. I, I liked his burst and his upside long term uh, at draft time. But but things cooled off fast, and, and I'm scared. I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have a lot of instant drafts right after the NFL draft because I don't have a lot of shares and, and I'm happy about it. Ryan, your thoughts on the Tampa Bay situation? Yeah, I think both guys are, are just holds right now for different reasons. Um, I, I agree with Dan, not necessarily a huge Pey- Peyton Barber believer, not really a guy I see as the long-term answer there, uh, but he is the starter for now. And, and honestly, I don't think he has much trade value if I could get a second-round pick, I would sell him for that, but I don't think I can. Uh, so because of that, I'll just hold him since he is the starter, and uh, maybe I can use him in my lineup if I uh, if I get desperate or if, if it gets to the bye week point and, and I need a starter, then I could use him. Uh, as far as Jones, again, totally echo what Dan said. You just can't sell this low. Um I would not sell for a second rounder. In fact, even though I'm not a huge Jones fan, I think I would probably consider buying for a second rounder simply because he's going to get an opportunity at some point, uh, and and then we'll see if if he really is talented uh, talented enough to match his draft capital and, and what the Bucks spent on him. 
Yeah, I kind of feel similar to you, Ryan. Like, I, I, he's not going to be exciting in your lineup. He's going to be like a 60 to 80 yard kind of a week kind of guy. Uh, hopefully gets in there for a touchdown. Uh, but at some point, you think you would have to think that Jones is, is going to get in the lineup. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> what is Dirk Cutter even doing right now? I, I honestly thought he was maybe one of the most likely coaches to get fired before the season ended. But maybe maybe Fitzpatrick <laughs> just saved his job uh, against the Saints there. But let's uh, move on to Dan. You, you write a, an article every week for DLF, the Rookie Report card. Uh, who do you want to talk about this week in, in the Rookie Review? So I wrote the Rookie Report card, and, and I covered a couple of relative unknowns from the at least from a few months ago during draft season. Philip Lindsay, we're going to have a, have a lot of time to talk about here throughout this week. He's, a, he's an up-and-comer. I know, Matt, you've been a, been a big fan, and I was thoroughly impressed with what he did against the Seahawks. On, on Sunday afternoon, I, I had a chance to watch much of that game, and, and you know it was it was really intriguing to me how he matched starter Royce Freeman in in both carries and rushing yards, fifteen carries for seventy one yards. Lindsey though was the guy who who caught the passes and and made that big play on the edge. What was most impressive, and I've seen a lot on Twitter about Lindsey just in the last couple days since that performance. A lot of misnomers, maybe people that, that didn't watch that game. I had a chance to watch the entire game. People were saying that he was the one carrying the ball at the end of the game. That was a split as well. Their last their last series, uh, Freeman was getting carries early. In fact, he had his biggest run of the game, I think 15 yards on that series. After that run, Lindsey came in and, and had his last couple carries of the game as well. So it seems like a split. Many are painting the picture that Lindsay's immediately just taking over this job. Seems like a 50-50 to me, but that creates value if you ask me. And, and that defense is good enough that that team will play with enough leads that Lindsay is at the very least a solid flex play going forward. The other player I covered in the, in the rookie report card was tight end Will Disley. And, and you know, that's an inter- interesting story. For me, Disley was a guy I had never heard of until the day he was drafted, Matt. And when he was drafted, I looked him up, to like you know, like I do, like many dynasty owners do. Oh, it's a position player. I might as well check this guy out. Found a scouting report, and all it talked about was how he was a blocker. Never thought of him again until Russell Wilson made his comments in the off season about how he was having that big training camp and. Checked in on him again, and oh, that's interesting, but he's a blocker. Pete Carroll talked about how he, how he could block anybody uh, on that Seattle defense. So he came out of nowhere for everybody, but for me, a guy that had checked in on him a couple times, it just, it, I was in awe. Like, I couldn't believe it was happening. Everything pointed to this guy being a being just a blocker and, and playing that role, but, you know, he kind of fit. I, I, I was able to watch that game, like I said, with Lindsey. They were playing Denver, and he was intriguing. It was it was interesting watching him play. He's a traditional inline guy that blocks well, but uses those those blocking fundamentals to get open in the passing game. If if you watch closely, that touchdown that he caught, he he blocked for almost three seconds before releasing and a wide open catch. And and those linebackers are concerned with him blocking because he's so good at it and he's able to get behind him for those big plays now he only made three catches it turned into 105 yards and a touchdown I'm not saying he's going to do that ever again let alone again this year but an intriguing guy that's certainly worth a roster spot at this point Uh, most dynasty leagues that I play in are relatively deep and I only found one 
where out of the 17 that I play in that that he was owned. So I I'd be putting in waiver claims on him. Yeah, I definitely agree there. I mean, that's an offense that's, you know, especially with Baldwin hurting his other knee, not the knee that was bothering him this offseason. Uh, you know, that that team is lacking the receiving weapons there. Uh, I do think that it's going to be a kind of like, I don't want to call it a hot hand approach like we do for running backs, but it seems like every week it might be a different guy. Brandon Marshall showed up, Tyler Lockett showed up. So every week it might be a different one, but Disley is certainly worth an add, especially if you're you're one of those kind of late round tight end guys or someone who just kind of uh, streams the position. He's somebody you could probably plug in and, and hope for the best each week. Lindsay, on the other hand, I mean, I back in the in the AFC West uh, preview episode, I think I said something like it's going to be Royce Freeman seventy percent of the carries and, and Lindsay with you know fifteen to twenty and, and Booker with maybe ten percent. I definitely didn't see fifty percent. The same amount of carries as Royce Freeman, as you said, and he got the catches on top of that. He's five eight, one eighty. He doesn't really look or play small to me though. He's tough. He's got those powerful legs and those feet move so fast. In fact, it reminds me a little bit of Darren. Rolls. That might be a little bit too easy of a comp, but you know, size-wise, it kind of works out. Lindsay at five eight one eighty, Sproles five six one ninety. So uh, we like to compare a lot of these satellite backs to Sproles, but uh, Philip Lindsay might be the real deal there, and I really think it's going to be him and and uh, Freeman going forward there. Ryan, your thoughts on on these two rookies that that Dan covered in his rookie report card? Yeah, Lindsay seems to uh, really certainly be one of the big names in the dynasty community after his surprise performance. And uh, I mean, I'm not surprised that Booker is not really in the game, the game plan for them. And, and honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he were basically relegated to the bench completely going forward because Lindsay was obviously impressive. I don't think we can count on, on this level this amount of touches moving forward though. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I don't know that he needs 17 touches to uh, to put up some fantasy points. The the comp I heard you guys talked about Sproles. The comp I heard with him was, of course, Tariq Cohen. And this time last year, after uh, week one, we were all talking about Tariq Cohen, just like we're talking about Philip Lindsay right now. In that um, he's a guy to trade for, or to chase off the waiver wire in, in shallow leagues, or, or whatever the case might be, and. He's, he also ended up being a player that we were frustrated with his usage throughout the season, thinking maybe he should get more touches. So I'm a little bit afraid it might be a similar story with Lindsey because of his size. Um, but, to, yeah, Dan, or I'm sorry, Matt, to see him get 15 carries, the same number as, as Freeman, was a big surprise. Yeah, I, you know, Ryan, I saw a lot of those comps too, and I think that's the laziest comp. Ever. Matt, you mentioned Sproles is, is kind of lazy as, as far as comps go. I think the Tariq Cohen one is ridiculously lazy. They're, they're two way different tailbacks. And if you go back and look at what Cohen did, I, I haven't looked, but I know for a fact he never got that many carries in a game. There's no way he got 15 in a game last season. So to, to comp the two players is... Is, is not doing justice to what Lindsay did compared to what, what Cohen did. And, and, and Cohen, I, I like Cohen as much as the next guy, but he, he's a true pass catcher from the tailback 
position. And Lindsay showed that he can do both. I'm, I'm pretty excited about Lindsay. And, and I, I went through it in the article how, how I was a D'Angelo Henderson fan. And, and I think I even said it on the pod a couple of weeks ago. I, I felt like they made a mistake and, and cut the wrong tailback. Uh, I was wrong about that. Henderson's a, a good prospect. But it's obvious at this point that Lindsay can can pull double duty and not only be that pass catcher like Cohen is, or at least to some extent what Cohen is, but also be the guy that could run it between the tackles. He can get the edge. And, man, he's, he's got that attitude, will not stop, uh, full speed all the time, and that's the kind of guy you want on your dynasty team getting the ball 12 or 15 times a game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm I'm definitely in on Lindsay. Picked him up in a lot of places this offseason. I think it was uh, Cecil Lammy over at Football Guys that turned on turned me on to him initially, talking about how he basically made the team the first day of camp. And and when when he didn't play in Week Four at all, I I just I thought that you know we might have something here at least in terms of what the Broncos think of him. And it, it shows that uh, they gave him all that work in Week One. So let's move on to uh, a few questions here about week one guys the first question i'm going to pose to you we'll go right back to you here dan is which big week one performance was a mirage well the one that really got to me and partially because of his age and and maybe because of the quarterback that was thrown in the ball it was deshaun jackson and maybe that's the easy way out the the quick answer you know the guy who who scored twice and had a, almost 150 yards and caught five passes. I, you know, we saw him all year last year struggle. And then all the, all the news throughout the off season was all about Godwin and how he was going to cut in. And, and then Fitzpatrick gets his opportunity and he, he's a way better deep ball thrower than, than Winston is. So it seemed like the perfect storm, uh, the New Orleans defense, Maybe it was just a hiccup. Maybe it's some kind of hangover from what happened in the postseason last year. But they didn't show up for that game. And I feel like Dynasty owners, I know there's an injury to think about, and, and we'll see what happens with that as the week and, and the coming weeks kind of go on. I feel like Dynasty owners are going to plug him in as a wide receiver three and feel like they have something that they, they, they were thinking was there a year ago. I'm, I'm just not there. I, I, I've watched Deshaun Jackson do it too many times. I feel like he had a big game, and this is the this is the big game for Deshaun Jackson in 2018. To me, he looked he he looked good all preseason. Um, so I'm 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 not quite mirage level there, but I think he's definitely always been that kind of boom bust player, and, and probably will be with all those talented receivers they do have there in Tampa Bay. And of course, Fitz Magic. He he's prone to these type of games every now and then. Uh, but he's probably going to go back and turn into a pumpkin for, for week two is my guess. And, and Deshaun Jackson himself, he has a shoulder injury, so he might not even suit up for, for week two. So if that's the case, definitely get Chris Godwin in your lineups. Ryan, who was uh, your performance that you're not really believing in from week one? Yeah, there were there were quite a few, actually. It seems like we, we always have those week one, and sometimes we get excited and uh, eventually let down, and, and sometimes it's just a sign of things to come. But uh, as far as a mirage, I, I guess I'm going to have to go back to to Disley, the the Seattle rookie. I just I'm just not really buying into him. Um, Dan, I know you suggested getting him off the waiver wire. I'm I'm on board with that. Where uh, since he's uh, essentially free at this point, or or at least uh, out there and, and available to be added, but I, I mean I just don't see him as 
and every week, uh, certainly not a starting tight end and, and not even really a guy you'd consider starting. Honestly, I, I kind of want to stay away from this offense uh, altogether outside of Russell Wilson. It, it seems like just another season where he's going to have to do it all by himself. Um, so I, I don't really see Disley as, as the dynasty asset yet. I went with Isaiah Crowell, 10 for 102 and two touchdowns, 10.2 yards per carry. <laughs> That's not going to happen for Isaiah Crowell too much going forward. Uh, he was actually also outtouched by, by Bilal Powell, 13 to 10. So uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm really buying into him. I've, I've been a Crowell fan in the past. The team looks better, especially after the Monday night game. Um, but uh, that level of efficiency from Crowell is not something we're going to see going forward. Uh, let's just go right into the next question for week one. Which which uh, week one performance that was disappointing is basically meaningless. We have these two every single season in year one, uh, or week one, excuse me, uh, where we have a, a stud kind of underperform, and, and, and it doesn't really mean anything for the rest of the season. So I'll lead us off with this one. Carry on Johnson, five carries for 17 yards, three catches for 20 yards. Uh, very disappointing. I was excited about this debut on on Monday night last night, uh, but it didn't really happen. And I, I think it's largely because of that game just got out of hand so fast. The Jets just got up on top of them after that uh, that first pick six by Darnold on the first pass of his NFL career. Uh, but the, then uh, they they kind of woke up and, and just buried the Lions. So Legarrette Blunt four carries, negative three yards. I don't really think he's a, a threat to carry on long term. So I'm going to go with him. Ryan, how about your disappointing, meaningless performance in Week One? I'm going to go with Alex Collins. Um, started started the game strong, um, and then I, I know he fumbled, and the game got out of hand quickly. So they they ended up sitting a lot of their uh, their starters, and he just didn't end up getting that much playing time. I guess we'll find out in, in the coming week and coming games how much of that time on the bench had to do with the big lead, and how much of it had to do with that fumble that he lost, but, uh, he, he's not a guy I'm worried about yet. Uh, I really, they, they just don't have much competition. It was, it was Kenneth Dixon who came in and, and carried the load once Collins went to the bench. And then of course, as he always does, Dixon hurt his knee. And, uh, so now he's not really an option, at least for the next several weeks, it sounds like. So I think Collins job is certainly safe. I think they'll continue to be, contending and, and staying in every game. I think game script is going to go his way. So he's a guy I would be buying, and maybe we'll talk about that more later. <laughs> Dan, your disappointing week one performance that is pretty much meaningless. You know, I listed three of them just in case I went third and you guys took the first two, and you didn't take any of them. I, I had Evan Ingram <laughs> listed, and I had Chris Hogan, which who I was sure that you would talk about, Matt. Uh, both of them I'm not too worried about, although – you know, the whole Ingram with OBJ thing, I think, exists. It's a real thing. Uh, the guy I went, ultimately went with was Travis Kelsey. Uh, one catch for six yards. There's a lot of Kelsey owners out there that are supremely disappointed uh, after Sunday's performance. And, you know, it was the Tyreek Hill show, and for good reason. I don't think it's going to be that way all the time. In fact, Kelsey got six targets in that game. Uh, a couple of them may not have been true targets, almost like throwaways. But it seems like Kelsey's going to be a big part of this offense, and it's nothing's going to change from from last year to this. I know it's a change at quarterback, and, and Mahomes likes to push the ball down the field a lot more than Alex Smith does. 
But that's a good coaching staff in Kansas City, and they're going to find ways to get one of their best players the football. Yeah, I didn't mention Hogan because I actually am a little bit <laughs> worried about that situation. You know, I, I I really thought he was going to be the true wide receiver one, and he is for that team, but maybe he just can't handle number one cornerback. So that's a game I still need to go back and watch and, and see what really happened with Hogan there. So definitely a little bit of concern on my part, though. All right, so... Every, week, every every year in week one, there's also a performance that surprises us, whether positively or negatively. Dan, let's go right back to you for your surprising performance of week one. Well, I, I had a couple. And, you know, the biggest surprise for me, and maybe it shouldn't be a surprise because I'm a Packer fan and I'm a big Randall Cobb fan, but I, I was pretty surprised that he had 10 targets and, and caught nine balls for 142 yards and a touchdown. I, I know a lot of that production came on that last catch, the the one that put him over the top and got him the win on the comeback on Sunday night, but you cannot sidestep the other nine targets. He, he was a regular, uh, he, he was a big part of the offense, short, inter- intermediate, even had a deep target in the game, and it seemed to me like it was almost an emphasis of the Packers coaching staff to look his way and you know whether whether it was Rodgers or Kaiser throwing the football a lot of that game plan was seemed to be at least to me around Cobb and and what he could do with the ball after the catch so I think there's a lot of Cobb owners out there all three of us are are Cobb owners and Cobb fans of course that didn't have big expectations coming into the year and, and if somebody maybe said he's going to be a wide receiver three we'd all say wow we'll take it I think he has chance to to push wide receiver two numbers this year and surprise some dynasty owners, both with his catches and yards. And then also, uh, if he's going to catch that many passes, and and I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes 70 and 80 balls. Uh, I know he already has nine. But if if he would push double-digit touchdowns this year with Rodgers as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, it just seems like those two have never really been able to sync up the last couple of years. When one of them's healthy, the other one's hurt, you know. So uh, in the games where they've played together, he's still been productive, uh, even especially in 2017 last year. You know, he tanked like everybody else did except for Devontae Adams once Brett Hundley came in. But uh, with Rodgers back, cross your fingers, <laughs> going to play the rest of the year, then definitely good things for Cobb. I went to the negative, and I went with anything for Amari Cooper or Ryan McDowell. Uh, one catch on three targets for nine yards, one rush for nine yards. Jared Cook, Jalen Richard, Jordy Nelson all had more targets. Derek Carrier tied him for targets with three targets. So after a whole offseason of, of Gruden telling us that that the offense was going to run through Amari Cooper, it just didn't happen. In fact, the, the, the two outside receivers, both Nelson and, and, and Amari Cooper, they had seven targets total. So I don't know if this was game plan specific and they just didn't want to challenge those cornerbacks and you know eat up the, the softer middle of that field with a little bit suspect of coverage with their linebackers there. Uh, but very concerning for me for Amari Cooper in week one, Ryan. Uh, I guess if you have any thoughts on that, feel free. Otherwise, give us your surprising performance. Yeah, I'd rather not talk about that one, actually. Um, there were quite a few surprising performances, obviously. I think we we maybe should have given the caveat uh, most surprising performance other than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, obviously, that was the, the real shocker. We've seen him have those big games, but uh, the Saints defense was pretty good last year, and they were playing at home, and none of that mattered. Um, but I will go – I'll go with David Johnson – 
Um, David Johnson was also playing at home. Uh, I, the Redskins' defense is fine, but I don't, I didn't, I don't think of it as one of the league's formidable defenses. He totaled 67 yards and a touchdown, which again is fine, solid numbers, but not David Johnson level numbers, and uh, not not the kind of performance I'm sure he wanted to start his season with, especially considering uh, they got waxed at home. So. Uh, I don't want to say I'm worried about Johnson, but I'm certainly worried about that Cardinals offense, and maybe we'll see a quarterback change there soon. All right, guys. So we put out a tweet from the DLF pod account this uh, this past weekend or so, or maybe it was last week, whenever it was, asking what you guys wanted to hear from a dynasty show in season. And a lot of you said buys and sells of the week and waiver wire ads of the week. So we're going to go through those quickly. We do have some listener questions as well. So, Ryan, I'm going to toss it to you uh, first here for the buy-sell. Give us your buy and your sell, and then tell us what you're willing to buy and sell for. Sure. My buy is, is a guy I already mentioned, Alex Collins. Basically what I said earlier, I think it was his lack of usage Sunday was pretty game script, uh, reliant or, or because of that blowout victory. So not too worried about him. I, I do think people uh, in general seem to be concerned about him and his, his production. So I think his price has come down. Um, I don't think you have to pay a first for him anymore. Uh, I think that's probably what he cost a week ago, a month ago, but uh, I would try to buy him for a couple of second rounders. That would be my starting point. Uh, and then my sell would be Devonte Freeman. He is a guy I'm worried about. Uh, we know he's been uh, among the league leaders in fantasy points uh, really the past three years, including an RB1 season in 2015. But I'm concerned about that offense in general. He had an injury last year. He's already uh, already has an injury this year, although it doesn't seem too too major or too serious. Uh, I still think he's worth a first plus, so I'd probably look to sell him for a first and a second if we're talking about picks or maybe trying to uh, package Freeman with something and get one of those younger running backs. Well, let me ask you this because it was a listener question even, so we'll just skip ahead a little bit to that. Uh, At Show Me The Facts wants to know Tevin Coleman or Devonta Freeman. I mean, like right now, are you trading Devonta Freeman straight up for Tevin Coleman? No, I don't think you have to do that, but I would consider Coleman Coleman the buy and Freeman the sell. Yeah, for sure. Dan, how about you? Who's your buy and sell this week, and what are you paying and selling for? I think this was the easiest one for me. The The guy that jumped off the screen for me this weekend in the longest game in the history of the NFL <laughs> was, was Kenny Stills. I, you know, it seems that I'm buying into the narrative – that Stills was simply blocked by Jarvis Landry. And, you know, we saw those spurts and, you know, you'd get three or four targets and have that big catch. And and we even seen it back in the day when he was in New Orleans. And now he's got a chance to be on the field full time and we'll see what happens as the rest of that, that receiving core gets a little bit more healthy. But I, I can't see Kenny Stills coming off the field. He seems like the leader in that in that receiving core, the guy that's going to get peppered with the most targets. And, and granted, he only got five in the game, but he caught four of them for 106 yards and two touchdowns. 
I, I think we we might see that breakout performance, that wide receiver two that kind of kind of comes from those, that group of wide receiver fours that people have been excited about but have never really jumped all the way on board. I'm on board right now, and if you can still get them for a second, I'd, I'd be all over that. In fact, I'd, I'd give up a little bit more than that if that's what it took. Uh, I don't think you have to give up a first-round pick to get Kenny Stills, but... If you could give a second and something else, and another player, uh, something, somebody to replace Stills on the on the opposing team's roster, I would I would do that in a heartbeat, especially if it wasn't somebody out of a starting lineup. As far as my cell goes, my guy, and and I've talked to him, talked about him on this show and how much I like him is Jared Cook. That that was nuts what he did on Monday night. Ryan, you kind of alluded to it, or maybe it was you, Matt, that that said you know you didn't know what what it was with with Amari uh, not being able to get any targets and and he was pretty much shut down. It seemed like it was that defense. They got those shut down corners. Everything was funneled to the middle of the field. They allowed Cook to match up with linebackers. And if there's a weakness on that LA defense, it's got to be that linebacker group. Uh, Cook was able to take advantage of that. He had that huge game, uh, almost 200 yards receiving and, and got the touchdown. That that's pretty much the game for Jared Cook. Even, you know, we've, we've been burned by him in the past. Even if he has a good season from here on out, we all missed out on the big game from Jared Cook. I think that's over. I'm selling him if I get the chance. Yeah, my, the, the, the most fun stat I saw about today about Jared Cook came from uh, Alex Gel or uh, sorry, Gel, at Gelkin NFL. He put out a stat that now Jared Cook has the most single-game yards by a tight end in franchise history for three different teams. He has the most, sing, the biggest single game for the Titans, the Rams, and the Raiders at the tight end position. For someone who's been kind of a laughingstock in the dynasty community for years and years, like that's a, that's a pretty impressive thing to, to have on your resume there. So um, let's see. For my buy, I went with Dante Pettis. Marquise Goodwin got banged up. It looks like it's just a bruised thigh and he's day-to-day. But for someone that relies a lot on his speed like Goodwin does, uh, you know that, that we're going to have to watch that. It could be a, a lingering injury all through and it could affect his play on the field. Pettis looked good in relief. Uh, I had some questions about whether he would be able to translate to the NFL, and I think he certainly did, especially catching that touchdown pass. So he's one to watch going forward. I would pay a second-round pick for sure for him. Uh, if you got him in the third round, I think you can probably go ahead and profit uh, uh, there and sell for a second if you wanted to. Uh, myself for the week is Adrian Peterson. 26 carries, 96 yards. Uh, he had those two catches for 70 yards. That's definitely not something we expect from Adrian Peterson. But I'm going to go ahead and sell there. Uh, I just think that that was the perfect, absolute perfect game strike for Peterson. He had 42 snaps, but Chris Thompson had 33, and he caught six passes for 63 yards and a touchdown on his own. So uh, I just don't see it. If they get behind, I don't think Peterson's going to be in the game as much. I think it's going to be Thompson in there. And I think my one of my biggest takeaways from this week is that the satellite back is back for fantasy. Like these guys, like Chris Thompson, like Philip Lindsay, like Naheem Hines, which we st- we didn't talk about, but was really the guy in, in garbage time there. Not garbage time, but you know the the kind of no huddle offense there for the Colts. Um, and of course Austin Eckler too. So these guys are are going to be viable. You know it's going to be matchup dependent for sure but they're going to be able to score you some points, especially in these bi-week gauntlets that we have coming up here going forward. So um, let's get to our waiver wire ads of the week. We split this up between the three of us with a shallow 
Uh, for me, with 20 roster spots, Dan took mid with 25 or more roster spots, and Ryan went deep with 30-plus roster spot leagues. So uh, my guy is somebody that we already talked about, so I won't spend a lot of time on him. That's Philip Lindsay. I think you can spend 30 to 50% of your fab budget this week and, and go out and get him even more if you really need uh, some running back help there. So, Dan, who was uh, your guy for, for mid-roster leagues? Well, before I go to my guy, I, I don't think 50% gets Lindsay. I think there's people no. out there bidding ninety percent. Okay, if you if you 90. like him, you better better bet what you got on that guy. Uh, I certainly am going to be this week for sure. I had the the middle sized leagues, twenty five man rosters, and my guy was Philip Dorsett. He was actually a guy I was adding on Sunday morning. You know, when when you put those guys on IR on your roster and you got a couple of spots, I was able to get Dorsett in a couple of. Sp- places and obviously I was pretty happy with what what he did on Sunday caught seven passes for 66 yards and a score outside of Rob Gronkowski he was the most active pass catcher for the New England Patriots and you know we've talked about it a lot with Aaron Rodgers and the guys who catch passes from him the same really applies to New England with Tom Brady Whoever's catching passes is the guy you want on your dynasty roster. Philip Dorsett is available in a lot of those 25-man leagues. I'd be bidding on him. I wouldn't be overly aggressive. Uh, I think a 20 to 25, maybe 30% bid would be just fine. It should get him. If you miss out bidding 25%, you probably don't feel too bad about it. Um, but, you know, he he has that draft capital. He, he certainly is fast and... That, that could translate into 60 to 70 passes caught for Dorsett, and, and that's a guy you want on your dynasty roster. All right. I had the uh, the deep leagues, as the guy said, so 30-plus roster spots. I went with uh, Jalen Richard back to that Oakland game. Uh, we saw the big performance from Cook. Richard was kind of overshadowed. He tied Cook with nine receptions, uh, had 55 yards. I think he was the second most targeted uh, player on the team. I, I almost said receiver, but Derek Carr didn't throw to his receivers for some reason. Uh, and then, of course, Richard was also the second leading rusher, outrushing uh, Doug Martin, and uh, also saw more carries than Doug Martin. So it, it seems like once they uh, they brought in Martin and, and made some of these other changes, uh, including the, the Chris Warren hype of, of this offseason. Sorry, sorry, Matt. Uh, but Pour once, one out. once all those things were kind of going on, it, it seems like people kind of forgot about Richard and, and just gave up on him. So uh, I do think he's out there on waiver wires, even in these deep leagues. And especially if this is a PPR league, uh, he's he looks like a guy who's going to get some opportunity. I, I do think they're going to be playing from – behind a lot and I don't know what's going on with with Nelson and Cooper not seeing many targets but it seems like this is kind of the new normal that Carr is going to focus on short yardage to his backs and tight ends yeah I like the Richard call for sure and maybe I might even consider him in 25 plus roster spots if I had a need at running back because those receptions are going to be very valuable and it's clear that he has that role for the Raiders, at least at least for this week. <laughs> we'll see what happened next week with in Gruden's mind. But uh, let's go on to listener questions. We're going to try to get in a few of these every week for you guys, so feel free to go ahead and submit those to the podcast Twitter account at DLF Podcast, and uh, we'll make sure to, to, to pick through a few of these every single week here through the season. 
Um, so we'll start off. I'm going to group these first three together because they're all about Delaney Walker. You know, Delaney Walker, 34 years old, broken, fractured ankle, probably done for this season. With his age, it might be done for his career. So one of the guys said, can they just drop him outright? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I'll let you guys tackle that too. At Kyle Settle 7 says TE targets for Delaney Walker's owners. I might say, I know you said sell Jared Cook, Dan, but that seems like a pretty cheap target somebody could go and acquire if they were desperate at the position. Uh, at Matt St. Clair, he's in our listener league, says, I've heard really good things about John o. Smith. I lost Delaney and the only other tight end is Smith. Should he have confidence in him or try to trade for a tight end? Ryan, I'll throw that one to you. Well, I mean, if I'm a contender, I'm, I'm not feeling confident about starting Johnny Smith. He's definitely a guy that I want on my team. I've got him on a few of mine, and we didn't mention him in the waiver section, but if he's out there, I would certainly be bidding on him. As far as starting him, that Tennessee offense is kind of a disaster right now. I don't want to start Johnny Smith or Marcus Mariota or Derrick Henry or Corey Davis or anybody else. Um, so, no, don't start Johnny Smith. But he is a guy to add. And as far as replacements for Walker in general, I agree Cook might be a guy to chase. I at least want to get Smith on my roster. Uh, we also saw the Greg Olson injury, so I'm going to search for Ian Thomas as well. Um, and then I would just look for the old guys. I, I'm not, you can't pay up for Gronk, obviously. Uh, Eric Ebron might be a target. He was a top five tight end this week. And uh, it, I don't think his price quite matches that production. Of course, I don't, I also don't expect him to continue <laughs> to match that production. I was going to say. <laughs> but I, I do think he could be a, a, a low level tight end one, uh, as we've seen from him pretty much every year in his career. And that, uh, tight end 12 to 15 range. So those, those would probably be the guys I would chase. Yeah. I think, I think he might struggle a little bit, uh, target wise. Jack Doyle had 10, he had five, he got the touchdown. Doyle had the fumble. So I guess there could be a flip there depending on how seriously they take Doyle's fumble, uh, at the end of the game there. But Dan, I'm going to throw this other, this last one here to you about, about Delaney Walker at Keebs three says, if you don't have the the injured reserve space because you got Hunter Hunter Henry on it. Can you just go ahead and drop Delaney Walker outright? Boy, it would have to be the deepest league, I, th- I think, or, or the shallowest league. league. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you only have 16 or 17 roster spots, may- maybe that's an option. And even then, I would put him on the trade block and, and try to get a third-round pick for him uh, w- with somebody else that has, has an open uh, IR spot. I, I really feel like uh, Delaney's at least going to have some kind of return value a year from now. I know what you said about his age, and, and we've all thought thought that in the past, but he's he's going to be a priority add next year in free agency or, or maybe even immediately after you drop him, somebody's going to want him on their team, especially in the leagues that we play in where, where you have 20, 25, 30 roster spots. I don't think that's really an option. I'd, I'd do everything I could to trade him if you need the roster spot. Uh, and if you really, really need that roster spot badly, you, you better take a quick look at, at how, how much of a contender you really are. Yeah, I, I agree with you there for sure. And the other the other suggestion I have, obviously it's too late now for this season, but if you only have one injured reserve spot in today's NFL, that might need to be upped a little bit. I, I personally like at least five in my leagues. I think, Ryan, you have three to five in most of yours. 
Um, so, yeah, one one injured reserve spot in today's NFL where we have all kinds of injuries uh, is, is not enough, in my opinion. But let's go to another question here. We have questions about Alex Collins and Philip Lindsay. We kind of already talked about those guys. So let's go to at Neil5Young. He says, at what point in the season do you start to shift towards future roster moves if your team looks unlikely to make the playoffs? The more he stares at his, the more it feels like a middle-of-the-pack team. And I'm going to combine this for you, Ryan, uh, kind of a combo question here with at Andy Estridge. He also says, what's the best time to trade your 2019 first if you're a contender? So kind of tackle those two questions for us. Sure. Uh, I would say you would want to be careful in giving up on the season, acquiring picks and youth, because, uh, you know, we, we don't know how this season is going to play out. Crazy things can happen. But if you look at your roster and you're clearly at, at the bottom of the league and you just have one or two pieces that are, are possibly getting you wins every every week, then I think you, you can basically start making those moves right now. There's no reason to wait um, if you're certain. Now, again, if you're middle of the pack, then middle of the pack can make the playoffs and, and make a run. Um, I, I know some people don't like that line of thinking, but we see it happen every year in the NFL, and we see it happen every year in fantasy leagues. So I want to get into the playoffs and, and then see what happens from there. But if you don't think that's going to happen, then move those veterans now, get some picks, get some youth, take your lumps this year and, and get ready for next year. Uh, on the other side of the thing, uh, uh, on the other side of things for contenders, I, honestly, I really hesitate to trade my 2019 picks in season because we know they gain value the closer you get to the, uh, to that upcoming NFL draft. So um, usually my play is being more willing to trade second and third rounders rather than that first rounder, try to hang on to that. Uh, and then, of course, just uh, doing some type of package deal. And some of the some of the guys that we've talked about tonight that uh, did have those surprising performances, a lot of times you can uh, package those guys and, and really get an asset that you feel is valuable. Yeah, Dan, I, I think we're going to share a brain on this one in terms of our first. <laughs> I'm really bad about it personally. If, if I'm a contender and it's week 12 and, and I need a piece for that run, I'm moving that first really without a whole lot of hesitation if it's a guy that I like and I like his playoff matchups. In terms of, of way, like what we were talking about, Ryan, with uh, if you're a middle-of-the-pack team, I agree with you 100% on that one. If I'm a middle-of-the-pack team and I can get in as a sixth seed, you know, six seeds win fantasy championships all the time. I see it every year. So uh, I think a six seed won it in multiple of my leagues last year. They had Todd Gurley, and that that that's all he needed, really, <laughs> last offseason. So, Dan, any other thoughts on these last two questions before we get out of here? You know, the, the the one question is, what's the best time to trade your 2019 first? And if you're set on trading it, really the best time is the time where you make sure you're, you're that contender. Whenever you think that is. Now, sometimes that does happen in week one. Uh, I like to wait until, like you said, week 10 or 12 when you're up against the trade deadline. It seems like you're going to be the number one seed or number two seed, or, or you're really streaking. Maybe you got a player back from injured your injured list that is making a big dent and, and really makes you a true contender. Uh, adding that extra piece at that point seems like it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I tend to be a little bit more conservative early in the season, but at the same time, if that right deal comes along, uh, when you're getting a true difference maker that can turn you into a, a champion – you take it no matter when it is. 
And real quick before we wrap up, just to just to knock out the last question here that we haven't really talked about. At Zach four four seven seven says, how much of his fab budget did he spend on TJ Yeldon? Uh, Leonard Fournette went down with that hamstring injury. It seems like something. It seems lazy analysis that it is something always wrong with Leonard Fournette, right? He always has a lower body injury, but he kind of does. He kind of always is a little bit banged up. So uh, Yeldon's probably going to be a hot acquisition on the waiver wire if he's on your waiver wire in your league. Brian, how much should we be spending on Yeldon? I think Yeldon has a lot of appeal, even if Fournette does come back and, and prove to be healthy. He's he's a solid PPR back. He's a free agent at the end of the season and, and could land in a better situation. Uh, he feels like probably a 40% guy for me. I'd say that is absolutely fair. That's going to wrap for the DLF Dynasty podcast for this week. We don't ask for this very often, guys, but if you do like the show, please go on iTunes, give us a rating and review. Let us know what we're doing well. Tweet us on Twitter at DLF Podcast, at MattPriceFF, at DMiler22, at RINMC23 if you have anything else you'd like to see on the show during the season. Otherwise, guys, good luck in week two. We'll be back with you again after the games next week.